Well, welcome back, everyone. We have a great show for you today. We have Officer Joe Gamaldi, and he has done incredible things throughout the city of Houston, um, and uh, he is the FOP, uh, National Vice President. Uh, that's the Fraternal Order of Police, and uh, he has a very interesting story. Uh, so without further ado, uh, we're going to talk about a number of issues today, uh, especially the defund the police movement. That's one thing that we really need to debunk. And so, Joe, thank you for being on. Uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, really, it's an honor. I appreciate the invitation. Well, thank you for all that you do because you're really on the front lines there in the city of Houston. Uh, you are an active police officer, uh, but you've very educated and, and you've uh, risen to be the vice president of this important organization. I'd love to just hear a little bit about your story and how you got your start and um, please just share whatever you'd like to share with us. Sure, sure. Yeah, I got my uh, degree in criminal justice with a minor in sociology and politics from the uh, University of Hartford. Uh, following graduation, I took a job with the New York City Police Department, the NYPD. I did that for three years, and uh, I was living in a shoebox apartment, you know, the type that's so small when you open your bedroom door, it hits your bed. So finally, I just decided, is this really what I want for my life? I liked what I did for a living, but that's not the lifestyle I wanted. So I started sure. looking to see what I could get for the money in other places, and my brother had happened to live in Houston at the time. And I came down to visit, and after I saw what you'd get for the money, I was like, where do I sign? You know, th th this is amazing. So uh, I moved down there shortly after I transferred to the Houston Police Department a little over 12 years ago. And I mean, it, I literally came here with nothing. Uh, it was a car full of clothes. You know, I had like 200 bucks in my account and that was it. And I just, I needed a change. But I will tell you something about Houston that is so unique and it's also unique about Texas. It doesn't matter who you know, doesn't matter who your dad is, who your mom is or anything like that. If you are willing to work hard there is literally nothing that you can't accomplish. So I know that there's a lot of young folks that listen to your show. And I think sometimes, you know, the younger generation gets a bad rap and you say, oh, well, they're not hard workers. They're not willing to put in the work. But I will tell you this. If you put in the work, if you are willing to outwork everyone else, it doesn't matter if you're the smartest person in the room or the best looking or anything else. If you're willing to outwork everybody else, you will be successful. And, and I, I like to think that I'm, I'm the embodiment of that, that I have worked harder than, than a lot of my, uh, you know, cohorts. And that's what's been able to get me into this position. But also that what's helped a lot is mentorship. I was very fortunate that I met Ray Hun, who is the actual former president of the HPOU before me. And he mentored me the whole way. And I think mentorship is so important. So if you are a young person and you're looking to get into a certain field or you're interested in doing something, make sure you've found someone that's already kind of blazed that trail and allow them to kind of give you that advice and that guidance, but not controlling either. You need to be able to do it on your own with just them guiding you. And the HPOU stands for presumably the Houston Police Officers Union? Yes, that is correct. In addition to being the National Vice President of the FOP, I'm also the President of the Houston Police Officers Union. As if I didn't have enough hats, I'd put a few more on. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and he was my predecessor there, and, and he was kind enough to take me under his wing and teach me everything he knew. And I think that's an important thing that, that young folks, you, you're not going to figure it out all on your own, but if you're willing to work hard and somebody's willing to guide you, you're going to achieve whatever you want to achieve. Yeah, and so you were the vice president of that for a couple of years before you were the president. Is that correct? Yeah, I was actually the vice president for five years. Uh, learned uh, everything there was to learn, but at the same time, uh, kind of blazed my own trail. 
you know, my predecessor, Ray, wasn't uh, big on social media, had, still doesn't even know how to use Twitter. If you asked him to send a tweet, he wouldn't know how to do it. Uh, yeah. But I kind of brought that into the HBOU, and obviously I have a very big presence on social media as well, where I constantly try to get our message out there. Because the truth of the matter is, if we're not telling our story, somebody else is going to. And I right. think if you've seen anything over the last few years, is that the national media, which is very much left-leaning, is willing to take shots at law enforcement all in the you know uh the chase of ratings and more clicks and they're they're willing to write any clickbait headlines that they can find and they don't care about the truth they just care about their business that's so true and we've had a lot of leftists take over uh these institutions the media and they're printing stuff that is just clickbait they like to hear the sound of their own voices if they're in talk or our video and and they're just doing things that are counter american counterproductive and they're hurting our country and so uh, we need law and order and that's especially true in this day and age uh, there's so much that's gone on in the wake of the george floyd uh, death that was an absolute tragedy and of course there are some bad apples in the uh in any police department, in, in the sheriff's or constable's offices, there's always going to be some bad apples, but 99% of police are great, exceptional people, and they don't deserve what's going on right now. Um, if you had to tell us what the morale is like right now for uh, police, what you're seeing around the country, what would you say? Well, I'll tell you this. I've been a police officer for 15 years. And I have never seen morale as bad as it is right now. Um, you know, there's people who are eligible for retirement. They're hitting the door. Uh, young folks, the young, diverse, educated, uh, the exact people that we want on our police department and the exact people that we are trying to recruit, they're voting with their feet and they're finding other jobs because they realize they can't do this for another 25 years. And then for those of us that are in the middle who aren't ready to retire yet but aren't young, you know, we're just kind of counting our days or you know, how much difference can we make in the time that we have left is, is kind of how we're thinking. But it's an extremely difficult time to be a police officer. And like, I hate to be so cliche as to say it, most of us got into this work to help people. We, we literally became police officers because we wanted to help our community. And in some communities, we're the only ones that are looking to help. And, and the fact that we have somehow become the blame for all of society ills, it, it's, it's almost comical to me if it wasn't so dangerous to all of us. Oh, and make no mistake, violence against us is through the roof. We've had over 200 police officers shot this year in this country. Nobody talks about it. It's up 32 percent from 2018, up over 10 percent from 2019. And 2019 was a historic year for police officers being shot. So the George Floyd incident. And of course, we all came out and said it was abhorrent. It was completely terrible. And everyone says, well, y'all don't really mean that. And, and you don't really want to get rid of the bad apples. Are you kidding? We are literally paying with our lives. For the mistakes that those off, that officer made, we're paying with our lives. So it's almost, I, I can't even begin to put into words how upsetting it is when we see police officers being shot as a result of what other officers did. And then people say you don't really care. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And how, I know that we live in a very diverse metropolitan Houston area. Um, is, is, is the police department there in the city of Houston reflective of that, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. We are actually a majority minority department, which wow. means we have more minority officers than we have white officers. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, police unions have been a, a, a popular talking point here recently as we're, we're the failures for all the things that go on in law enforcement. But it's funny because we don't do background checks. We don't recruit. 
we don't hire, we don't discipline, we don't fire, but yet somehow we're, we're the problem. And it's interesting because the reason why we have a majority minority department is because of the police union, because we negotiated in our contract to allow the civil service test to be given later on during the academy so that the police department can hire whoever they want as long as they meet standards. And since we did that, we were able to become a majority minority department, but nobody's talking about how we were able to do that. That is incredible. And um, I know that there are a lot of interesting statistics out there, and, and it's different across the country, but tell us about the Houston area uh, as it relates to the statistics on officer-involved shootings and what those situations are like uh, there on the front lines. Yeah, it's interesting because I think if you asked, and you know, even I'm sure your listeners are very, very educated if they're anything like you, they do their research. But I guarantee you they don't know that last year we had 2 million citizen contacts, and that's pretty much what we average every single year. And that's documented citizen contacts, meaning it was a call for service or we stopped someone on a traffic stop. That doesn't include all the times that we interact with uh, people in just a general setting when we see them having a cup of coffee. 2 million documented citizen contacts, less than 20 officer-involved shootings. And that's been pretty consistent over the last three years, less than 20. Here's another little fact that nobody seems to want to ever talk about. 2 million citizen contacts. You know how many citizen complaints we had out of those 2 million contacts? 273. Wow. That's right, folks. We made contact with 2 million people and only 273 times did someone think that we acted inappropriately enough for them to go and file a complaint. And here's some even more interesting information. You know how many times we complained on each other? Over 870, which means that we complained on each other three to one, and it kind of erodes and breaks down that whole blue wall of silence that everyone is so commonly talking about. The fact of the matter is we do hold each other accountable. We are not out here you know, uh, abusing the public. And if we did, the statistical data would bear that out and show that we have more complaints. And the common retort to when I say that is, well, it's not easy to file a complaint. It's BS. You can make a complaint at any NAACP office, any LULAC office, any uh, HPD facility. Um, and they're even developing a standalone city facility that you can go and make a complaint. So it, it's just that the numbers don't add up. And I'm very much a facts and statistics guy because they tell the truth. Yeah. Um, before we get into the defund the police movement uh, that we're really wanting to explore and debunk, I want to ask you about um, there's so many people that I get to work with, young people. Uh, I also work with a lot of faith leaders. Um, and I've seen a lot of churches talking about the issue of Black Lives Matter. Um, they're talking about uh, reforms that need to be made uh, in police departments. And there was one pastor that's a friend of mine. Uh, and he said that, uh, essentially, he said that in, we need to do everything that we can to reform the police department. I said, well, what does that look like? And, and so he said, well, uh, that needs to, that, that, that really means that I guess we need to um, have a national database of any of the bad apples. And I said, okay. And they need to stop the chokeholds. I said, okay. Um, and, and then I talked to him later. I said, well, did you want to see these police departments defunded? He goes, oh, no, 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 no. You know? And they don't really know what they were asking for sometimes when they were calling for um, these reforms because there's a lot of uh, people that are not outspoken enough right now in support of our police. And it sort of, the message 
really, there's a lot of people that maybe agree that there needs to be some reforms, but there's a lot of people that that message gets garbled with the whole defund the police movement. So uh, what would you say to that specifically? Well, I think, you know, reform the police has been a, a, a popular topic right now. But what yeah. people don't realize is that most places had already banned chokeholds. And, and, and if it felt better for, for that to be more explicit in writing, then absolutely, let's do that. As far as the database, we supported that. And it wasn't us that was kept rehiring bad officers. Those are police chiefs and sheriffs. Yeah. That's not us. You know, right. uh, and we have been supportive. Uh, the FOP was at the table with President Trump discussing. And by the way, President Trump is the only national uh, politician that's done anything on police reform because the House refused to negotiate with the Senate and actually come to a comprehensive bill that they could come up with. So actually, the president's executive order is the only national uh, ruling out there right now on police reform. So I, I think what people need to understand is most people don't want less police officers and they don't want to dismantle police officers. They want better policing. They right. don't want to see the incidents that happened in Minneapolis. They don't want to see some of the other viral videos that you've seen. And some of the times we're wrong. Like, let, let's be clear. Sometimes we're wrong. But it's a very small percentage of us that are wrong. And, and let's just take, and I love to use this example, right? Let's take protesters, right? I think we can all agree that everybody has a right to protest. In fact, I am a staunch supporter of their ability to protest. That it is a bedrock of our country. But you don't get to loot. And you don't get to riot. And when a lot of this rioting started, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, you can't hold the, the, the people who are just peacefully protesting accountable. Yes, of course, that's a reasonable position to have. But go ahead and turn that lens around and point it at police officers and say, you cannot hold, you know, 800,000 police officers across this country accountable for the actions of just a small few. It's, it's a completely ridiculous premise. It's no different than when we talked about doctors, 250,000 people die on the operating table every year to malpractice. Are we all going to suddenly stop going to the doctor? And by the way, I love doctors. I'm not, <laughs> they all do a fantastic job. I'm just making a point that if you heard about a malpractice case and then you told all your friends, I'm never going to go to a doctor again, or I think all doctors are murderers, people would look at you like you're crazy. But yet right. when they say it about police officers, well, that, that's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, uh, the narrative right now is so counter cultural. I mean, it's destructive to the very fabric or bedrock of our society. And they're doing everything that they can. Um, the left is doing everything that they can. That is to um, go after our our police. They're going after our borders. Um, they want open borders. They want uh, massive illegal immigration. They want to take away our guns. And then they want to take away the police the, the, so that those are the people that keep us safe. Uh, there in Minneapolis, one of the city council members said that, well, if your house gets burglarized and you're able to call the police, well, that's white privilege. It, it's incredible some of the, some of the, the false claims and, and fallacious assertions that are being made. It, it's, it's absolutely absurd. And um, I've seen a lot of pictures of Antifa, white Antifa, uh, activists that are yelling and screaming at these African-American police officers and calling them racist. I mean, it's just an alternative universe. I, I mean, what what are we watching right now with this whole defund the police movement? I mean, we've seen it uh, happen in New York City. We've we've watched it happen um, in in Minneapolis, of course. It's there are things going on in Portland, uh, and now it's very close to home because it just happened in Austin, Texas. They defunded, gutted a major part of 
of, of the police department and they're not going to be able to pay their bills the same way that they were before and, and they're not going to be able to keep the city as safe. And an officer put out an op-ed that has gone viral and um, he just basically said, you know, you're not going to have anyone respond to you now when uh, you're being attacked on the street corner. You're not going to see as much uh, support and there's going to be a lot of incidences and, 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 and criminals are going to be emboldened because of everything that's going on right now. And um, he just really put this in perspective and painted a very bleak picture of the way things are in Austin. Uh, so what say you to that? Um, and why is this whole defund the police movement absolutely absurd? Yeah, well, let me start off by letting you peek behind the curtain a little bit. You know, the, the sad part is our minority officers, as you mentioned it, they actually get it worse on the front lines than anybody else. And, wow. I, and I don't necessarily know why they key in on, my, on our minority officers, but they get it uh, explicitly worse than the white officers on these protest lines. It, it's truly disgusting. Um, but, you know, that that's what this group is doing. I mean, let's make no mistake when we talk about Antifa. They're domestic terrorists. Yeah. Let's not call them anything else because th that's what they are. They have engaged in riots now for over 80 days in Portland. And, you know, it's funny because the popular talking point that started to go around the media and, and different journalists was, well, this is all federal law enforcement's fault. If federal law enforcement wasn't there, none of these riots would be happening. And I'm sorry, but you know what? Those federal law enforcement officers were just sitting at the federal courthouse. Antifa could have protested anywhere else. They wanted a confrontation. They wanted to attack the establishment. And even when the feds have since kind of pulled back and just at the courthouse, they're still riding there. So please stop blaming law enforcement for these rioters and domestic terrorists. But let me tell you what's going on. They're trying to completely dismantle our way of life. And by getting rid of police officers, that's how they're able to do it. Because if they can attack anyone at will, which they just did, they beat a poor man in the street last night in Portland, kicked him in the face. And if they're allowed to do this, they will completely dismantle our society. And let me just give you an idea of how bad it really is. In New York, murder is up over 30%, but yet they cut a billion dollars from, from the police budget. In Austin, murder is up over 63%. Crime is through the roof. I was just there a couple of weeks ago with my daughters. I was on 6th Street trying to get some voodoo donuts, and there's guys defecating in the streets. You think anybody wants to go to Austin right now? When you look at Minneapolis, as you said, they said it was white privilege if you expected to sh someone to show up when there was a burglary at your house. Give me a break. That's everybody's privilege. This is the United States of America. You pay taxes because when you call 911, you want the police to show up. And I don't want to hear the platitudes of, you know, this is going to be a holistic approach and we're going to have social workers. No, 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 no. When we're defunded and when we're dismantled, when someone puts a gun in your face, who is coming? I want to know because I'm telling you, that's what you owe these citizens. And the fact of the matter is there's not even support for this. Voters don't even support this. A recent Pew Research poll said that 73% of Americans either wanted their police budget to stay the same or increase. A recent Quinnipiac poll said that 81% of people did not want to defund or dismantle their police. It does not have support from voters. And here's another interesting point. A recent Gallup poll, 82% of black Americans either wanted the same amount of police officers in their neighborhood or they actually wanted more. There's so much at stake. Um with this upcoming election and we've got to do everything that we can to support the platform of law and order and President Trump does stand for law and order 
And he may not be the perfect messenger, but he's done everything to back our first responders. And he's done an excellent job of showing them that he supports them. And so I encourage every law enforcement officer, every um, first responder, everyone that's on the front lines to support this president openly. And it looks like uh, now that for the first time ever, um, the, the New York uh, police union is actually openly supporting a national candidate. Usually they only get involved in local elections, but they're openly supporting a national candidate because that's so important that they support a president uh, that actually cares about their livelihood, their well-being, and um, they're, that, they're, that they're safe in doing that their, their jobs. And um, we've got to do everything that we can as activists, Republican, conservative, grassroots, uh, to keep Texas red because uh, Austin is the capital of our great state. And if it can happen in Austin, it won't be long before it happens in Houston and Dallas and San Antonio. And uh, there are places that are very unsafe along the border. I got to spend some time down in Laredo and, and I, I've heard from a lot of people that that's an area that you don't want to go out at night, especially if you're a gringo like me. So uh, you don't want to go out at night and you got to do everything that you can um, to, to keep yourself safe. And, and, um, and so um, if, if there's people that are openly coming across our border that are committing heinous crimes and the left, they want to take away your gun rights, and they don't want the police to be funded to protect you either, then what's left? And, and so that's why this election is so important. We've got to stand for law and order. We've got to stand for the rule of law. And we've got to support President Trump. We've got to support a Republican ticket all the way down ballot. And uh, I encourage everyone to get involved in the political process because everything that he's sharing right now is so important and crucially important to to the, the, to the future of our nation. If we lose this election, it's not just our team lost and their team won. We may not have a country. Um, and what's happening in Portland, uh, it's happening in the city, but it, I mean, it, it recently there in Seattle, uh, there are activists that are going to neighborhoods, suburban areas. They're not just staying in the cities, they're going to suburban areas. And they're, and they're telling the people, get out, you don't deserve to live here. And that's what's happening. And um, Joe, do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just the complete degradation of our society and of law and order. And, and you know, you talked about the border. Of course, we need to secure the border. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous for us to have porous borders where people can just come across and then we arrest them. They end up getting deported and then they come right back. We have to have secure borders, but we also have to have an immigration system that actually works because we understand that there are smart, intelligent, family-oriented people that want to come here legally, but because our system is so gummed up, they can't get here. And, and, and that's something that probably needs to be fixed going forward. And as far as law enforcement supporting Donald Trump, I think you're going to see a majority of law enforcement doing that. And I'm actually a little surprised by Vice President Biden's position right you. now because he has always been a staunch supporter of law enforcement. And now all of a sudden he's in with the defunding crowd. And it's a little alarming to me because he'd always been supportive of law enforcement. Now it appears that, uh, you know, he's moving further and further to the left. And I guess to garner support, but he should really look at the polling numbers because a majority of Americans support, love, and appreciate police officers across this country. But something else I wanted to touch on when that you were talking about was the second amendment. 
I find it interesting that we're even still having this conversation based on what's going on in the country recently. But there has been a disturbing pattern across this country in all of our major cities of activist DAs and judges who are letting violent, repeat, gun-toting felons off with sweetheart deals. So while we have this national discussion on guns and we're talking about limiting people's gun rights, we're not even enforcing the gun laws that we have on the books right now. We should be throwing the book at anybody who commits a violent crime with a gun, no questions asked, and that shouldn't be a partisan issue. That shouldn't be left or right. Reasonable people can all agree that if you commit a crime with a gun, you stick a gun in someone's face and rob them, you should go to jail for 20 years. Yeah, and and, and Joe, what you're doing is so very important. Uh, you're you're all over the place. You're, you're on Fox and Friends and all over Fox News, and um, you're getting your message out. Um, what are some of the ways that we can stay involved with you and support your organization and, and just be connected to what you are doing? Well, I, I encourage everybody, shameless plug here, follow me on Twitter, at Joe Gamaldi. You can also uh, follow the national G uh, FOP at, at GLFOP. And you can also follow the HPOU at HPOUTX and just help us spread our message because sometimes we're the only ones that are putting out our narrative and sometimes the media doesn't even want to cover it. And in fact, sometimes I'm even criticized for using too many statistics and too many facts. But I guess that's where we are in 2020, where you're going to be criticized for giving people truthful information that doesn't agree with their narrative. So please help us spread that word. Uh, help us, you know, put out all the great things that we're doing every day because we put out a lot of positive stories about police officers in our communities. We're out here to help folks. We're doing the job every single day, putting our lives on the line. And if you could help us spread that message, we would greatly appreciate it. And how can we follow you on Facebook? Because maybe some of the older uh, viewers and listeners um, would, would rather uh, use that platform to connect. So what, what is your handle or what is your URL rather? Oh, yeah, you can just get me. Uh, I'm at Joe Gamaldi National FOP on Facebook. You can just search me, uh, like my page there. Feel free to share our content from uh, GLFOP on Facebook as well. We certainly appreciate all the support that y'all could give us. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to just hone in on, I mean, if, if, if what's happening around the country and what's happening in Seattle uh, is happening the way that it is, um, I mean, they've gone from the streets to the, um, you know, walking down parts of uh, the city with, with their protest uh, to moving to the neighborhoods and the suburban areas. And if they're telling people now, get out, and they're attacking people in the suburbs, then what makes that not, you know, what, what's, what makes that uh, scenario not uh, possible in other parts of the country as well? I mean, is that something that you deem that could be very possible in the suburban neighborhoods all throughout the country? Because people tend to think, well, that's in the city and it's terrible what's happening to the business owners. That could never happen to me. But is that something that you think could be very plausible if we, um, America could look very different in a couple of years if, if we don't do everything that we can to support a law and order platform? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think sometimes people say, as you said, well, that happened in the city. That's not going to happen in my neighborhood. These terrorists, these domestic terrorists, they, they operate by fear and intimidation. And if you don't think that they'll come to your neighborhood or they won't come to your business, think again. Just look at some of these businesses that, that boarded up. And when they put up messages supporting them, they still got their businesses firebombed. They still got broken into. They don't care. They don't care if you call them hypocrites. They don't, you don't, they don't care if you point out how much their message is off with their violence. 
They don't care about any of it. They just care about dismantling our way of life. And until we start understanding that that's what they're going to do, we need to develop tactics to deal with them accordingly. Call them terrorists. Don't call Antifa protesters. Don't say that the police are causing the violence in these places because for whatever reason, the media and some politicians are more than happy to give these folks cover. Call them what they are. And if you think that this crime wave, which by the way, is taking over every major city, violent crime is up in every major city, um, including yeah. right here in Houston, our murders up nearly 40%. If you think that that won't spread to other places, you're dreaming. It's why we yeah. try to be so proactive to keep crime down. But make, make no mistake, it has the propensity to spread, which is why you need to make sure that you support candidates that are law and order candidates, as you said, that do support police officers. And, and it's funny too, you can support law enforcement while still holding us accountable when we make mistakes. Those things aren't, aren't mutually exclusive. Right. As you said earlier, what happened in Minneapolis was terrible, but you still support law enforcement. It, it's right. not that difficult. Right. Well, and, and, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that struggle with the whole situation of, of Black Lives Matter because, I mean, who wouldn't agree that Black Lives Matter? But the organization itself, Black Lives Matter Inc., is a Marxist organization, uh, and their leaders have openly called themselves Marxist. Uh, and they've said terrible things about police officers saying that uh, they need to be killed. And many of them um, have, have said that. Uh, and there's quotes out there about they call them pigs and they need to be put in a blanket. And, and maybe you could speak to that issue a little bit more. But we've, we've got to do everything that we can to uh, educate people on who Black Lives Matter is because they stand for a lot more than just black lives. Actually, they may not stand for black lives so much at all. They stand for um, the, the radical transformation of our society, everything from pushing their radical uh, black separationist movement, um, to socialism, to Marxism. Uh, they, there's a lot of Republican gay people that really don't understand this, this radical LGBTQ agenda uh, that they're pushing. There's so many other things that Black Lives Matter Inc. pushes. And, and I think the message becomes garbled for a lot of people because they don't really know how to differentiate. Okay, yeah, the expression Black Lives Matter I agree with, but they don't know that, uh, you know, when you're supporting some of these organizations like Google, or Amazon or Netflix that are supporting Black Lives Matter Inc. where their money is actually going to. And so uh, do you have any comments on that or? Yeah, I mean, I think people just caught up in get caught up in kind of the, the virtue signaling of it all. You know, they, right. they want to make sure that they hashtag it Black Lives Matter or, or when, you know, when defunding came popular, you know, a couple months ago, they just want to hashtag defunding. They have no idea what any of it really means. Right. And, you know, listen, we can all agree Black Lives Matter, just like everybody's life matters, of course. That, it, it, but when you start to dig in that, you know, they want to do away with the nuclear family. They want to make sure that there's no police officers anywhere in the country. I mean, these are radical ideas that most Americans do not even support. But I doubt that most people who hashtag that Black Lives Matter know what their platform is. It's just more of a general, hey, we believe that Black Lives Matter, which we all agree on. Um, but, but I think people just get caught up in the, well, we need to do something. We need to say something to support. Otherwise, it looks like we don't. And, and if you don't, well, then clearly you're racist. So I, I think people get caught up in that. And that's another thing, too. You know, anytime you put out statistics or facts, as I was talking about earlier, that the people that are going to be impacted most by defunding the police is our black and brown communities. And I give statistics and then people say, well, you're racist. I said, how is that possible? 
I'm simply giving you statistical data that we are going to have more people that are black and brown being victims of crimes when we defund the police. That's just the reality of it. And I'm trying right. to get people to see this information. And I, we've become so polarized that if you don't agree with one aspect of, of the platform, then suddenly you're not even a part of the platform. And we really need to get past that. And we need to embrace, hey, there's most things that we can all agree on on the right. And, and like me and you, Christian, we may not agree on every single point for, sure. for what a Republican should believe in. But we certainly can disagree on some points, agree on a whole and move forward and, and have a, a frank and honest discussion. But for whatever reason, we can't do that anymore in our country. No, and we've become so polarized, as you've mentioned, and we've got to get back as a country uh, to being able to have conversations with people that we disagree with and and just, you know, be civil about it. But th there's so much uncivility in the dialogue in, in this day and age, and we've got to do everything that we can to get back to that and just have honest conversations about our communities, uh, about the future of this country and, and what it all means because defunding the police is really not the answer. These people are public servants that put their lives on the line every day and nobody should be discriminated against for the color of their skin or for their uniform or their badge. Nobody should be discriminated against and everybody should be shown the I mean, love. I mean, because Amen. everybody is created in the image of God and everybody deserves love and, and respect and honor and the dignity of who they are. And, and many of these police officers, their fathers, their mothers, their people that risk their lives putting on the badge to keep us all safe. And so I want to encourage my audience out there to pray for these people because they work hard to keep you safe and their jobs are not easy. And there's a lot of stress that goes, I've talked to many police officers, that goes along with being a police officer. So pray for them. And we shouldn't be uh, defunding them, we should be funding them more. And thankfully, the city of Houston uh, has done a good job of that. Do you have anything to say about that? Um, we're almost out of time. Yeah, no, uh, we actually received a $20 million increase in our budget. And I, and I think what the mayor and council saw was that Listen, we're already 12 to 1500 police officers short. We've been defunded for decades. We can't even provide a level of service that the taxpayer expects right now. So to actually take any money away from us to invest in other social programs would be completely ridiculous. Now, I'm supportive of other social programs, but you just right. need to find the money somewhere else because we haven't been funded properly for a long time. And if it is so important to do these social programs, then certainly you can find the money somewhere. But they don't seem to have an explanation when I say you don't need to take the money from us. They go, no, it has to come from you. And when I challenge them on it, they go, well, I don't really have an answer why it has to come from you. Or they say, well, you have the largest budget, so it should come from you. So let's think about that for a second. If you have a household budget and all of a sudden you have a greater expense, do you suddenly not pay your mortgage because it's the biggest expense? No, because you'll lose the house. Because right. here's the thing, folks, unless we have safe communities, that people feel comfortable going out to eat and taking their kids to schools. Doesn't matter how many social programs you have, it's destined to fail because our communities need to be safe before anything else. Well, Joe, you are a patriot. Um, we're grateful for everything that you're doing to serve on the front lines. Um, we're praying for you. Uh, keep up the great work and uh, let us know how we can support you. And, and again, thank you for all that you do. Uh, with that being said, we're out of time. But uh, look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for having me on.